powered by Red Media in partnership with TSN. It is episode 40, season 5 of the Ray and Dregs Hockey Podcast, and it's presented by our title sponsor, Canadian Club Whiskey. Good start, eh, Ray, as I'm adjusting my glasses. And I just about hooked them right off my you face. <laughs> I, I'm like, we're eight seconds this into this thing, and I'm bad. like, you're... You're gonna have to start again. <laughs> no, like, what is going on no, we're over not there? Again, it's you know, it's the the the, uh, yeah, like the lure it. of episode I forty like here, uh, brought to us by Canadian Club Whiskey, who have introduced the first release of the Canadian Club Invitation Series CC fifteen year old Sherry Cass, called the Hallmarks Classic Canadian Club with the added richness and sweetness of Sherry. How was how was Super Bowl weekend for you, Ray? Did it go okay? Win some money? Yeah. Oh, it was good. I mean, I. Um... Uh, I was in Boston Saturday, um, couldn't get out of there for whatever reason. The flights were no good on Saturday night. So up at 4 a.m., a couple of flights home, (laughs) got home at 1.30, kickoff at 3.30. I got to be honest, in the first half, I was going between where we had maybe 15 or so people watching, like the main TV area, and I was running into this little side room where kind of like an office sort of thing and where I had Nick the golf Taylor, on yes. because quite, quite frankly, I was more interested in Nick Taylor and what he was doing than the Super Bowl. Um, I've got a, I've got a couple of chances to play with Nick and uh, Dan Murphy, a good buddy who works over yeah. at Sportsnet uh, over the last couple of years. And he's an amazing guy. Like what you see on TV is really <laughs> what he is. He's like low key. He's straight ahead. Um, I was so excited to watch him win, and um, it, it was awesome. And then I ran back and, or you know, shuffled back, and the game was awesome. Yeah. I do yeah. have to say, because, like, two different things here, but one from a broadcast perspective. Um, how come in the game of the year in North America, 132 million people yeah. watched it, nobody knows the bloody overtime rules, and... The broadcast team, which has got literally 161 cameras and nothing to do but get a graphic up there with the overtime rules and have the official Mm -hmm. who's sitting in the booth a foot and a half away explain the thing. Because I'm telling you, Dregs, when Kansas City's going down the field and it's getting near the end of the quarter, I'm starting to wonder, why aren't they making a bigger deal over the fact that they're running out of time? And then almost as a throwaway line, Nance goes, yeah, the clock doesn't really matter because um, there's, there's yeah. no clock. It's just like it, it runs out and you get to keep the ball. I'm like, well, we just played 15 no, minutes of football and nobody knows what bloody <laughs> – like, so I thought, I thought they – I don't like to criticize the broadcast because I know lots of people criticize yeah. Yeah. everybody else's broadcast. But I was like, man, it's the biggest game of the year. They've only yeah. – been one other overtime in the Super yeah. Bowl, like, and they just redid the rules. Like, go ahead and explain it. So that's the first thing. The second thing, why the hell does anybody care, or why is everybody anybody bothered that they show Taylor yeah. Swift on the yeah. scoreboard? Why the hell do they care? Look, if when the New York Knicks were a really good basketball team, I got tired of seeing Spike Lee on the sidelines fifteen mm-hmm. times a game or five times a game. They showed him all the time. He had courtside seats. He's a yeah. big name. Why not? To my knowledge, he wasn't he wasn't involved with the team in any way except he was a super yeah. fan. And then before that, it was Jack Nicholson and the Lakers. 
they showed Jack Nicholson on the sideline. All He was high-fiving the players. <laughs> or when the Cowboys play, they show four booth oh, shots yeah. of Jerry yeah. Jones. What the hell is the difference? Well, I, I, I don't. Taylor Swift is, I'm not a huge fan of her music. I'm learning more about it because Cammie really okay. likes her. Yeah. And, and because I don't, it's not my genre of music, but I'm like, damn, is she talented? <laughs> and she's the biggest star on the planet. Mm-hmm. And she's dating one of the best players on the Chiefs. Of course they're going to show her. Like, is it a political thing? Are they pissed off that she sides to the Democrats than the Republicans? Like, who the frick cares? Well, and you're doing your job like, in the TV, your your TV world. I mean, the producers want to show interest and in, in, in spectacle, right? I mean, we get that level of heat regionally in hockey from time to time when you continually show the general manager in the suite or... Too many sure. Sheldon Keefe explosions on the bench. You know, the, the club is sensitive to that kind of stuff. But if you're producing the game, you know, you want to show your TV audience what is part of the spectacle. And I'm sorry, but Taylor Swift was part of the spectacle. It's not that big of a deal. And and a terrible break for those that hate it. The Chiefs are going to be awesome they again next be. year, and you're going to see her again <laughs> next year. Well, mate, are you Ma- sure about should just- this? What the hell do I know about how anybody is well, dating or whatever? Well, I mean, you said it matter-of-factly. You're going to see her again next year. I just thought you had the inside scoop. Well, things – oh, yeah, I'm, I'm big up on this dating. <laughs> the, the, like, who's dating who? And I, I love when I see a Hollywood couple, and they go, oh, yeah, they've been married for 14 years. Yeah. I'm like, oh, I just heard they were dating last week. I don't know what the hell's yeah. going on. I, they, they look like they're happy, good for them. It's an amazing story. The game yeah. finished. Outstanding. Patrick Mahomes is a machine. Yeah, yeah. Like that was when they started going down the field. I'm like, eh, doesn't look good for the 49ers. What do you make of Travis Kelsey bumping yeah. Andy Reid? I mean, the group that I was with watching, yeah, I mean, they're all educated football guys. Or, yeah, whatever. Don't mm-hmm. love it, but it's not that huge of a deal. I, my brain always goes back to the sport I'm comfortable with, and that's hockey. And I'm envisioning you bumping Al Armour. That wouldn't, wouldn't have gone well. well. That wouldn't yeah, have gone well. Good. Somebody, a teammate, probably would have frapped you upside yeah. the head and said, "Don't ever do that again." <laughs> yeah. Okay. So I didn't. I didn't like it. I, I don't like it because I. I mean, I. I've been around enough to where a player and a coach have gotten yeah. into it, like right Verbally into it in the, the middle of a game. Yeah. Well, yeah. Oh yeah, and and that's probably not great either. But to run into the, to physically run into him, he he just I'm sure in the moment, like a half a second later, he was probably he was. Like, oh my god that, that was, was really dumb. stupid yeah, yeah it, it, that was really stupid and um, <laughs> the fact of the matter is Andy Reid's 65 or 66 years old and he, he kind of looked at what him. What are you like, doing? What are you doing? <laughs> doing? <And> like beat <laughs> it. And then we got to trying to win the game. So yeah, I didn't yeah. like it. And I, and I assume they apologized and, you know, and whatever, but they had a half an hour during the halftime to figure it out when the concert's going yeah. on. So um, it was a, had they lost, I think it would have been a bigger yeah. moment. Like, you know, I, cause I think people would have refocused on it. Now they had lots of other things to, <laughs> to talk about. All right, time for headlines brought to you by Tim Hortons. Add the perfect blend of heat and sweet to your next lunch or dinner with Tim's new sweet chili chicken loaded wrap or bowl. 
packed with hearty ingredients like tasty grains, lettuce, fresh tomatoes, and cucumbers, and of course, your choice of crispy or slow-cooked chicken. Uh, oh, where to start in headlines today? Okay, let's start with the Morgan Riley. What happened? Suspension, yeah. Uh, in-person hearing as we're recording this mm-hmm. episode of the Rain Dregs mm-hmm. Hockey Podcast. In-person hearing in New York based on the cross-check on Ridley Gregg on Saturday. So I want your overall assessment of the play, Ray. You know, let's start with what, you know, kind of caused it all. And that was the the slap shot, the clapper by Ridley Gregg into the empty net. Um, but I'll just inject that no one is uh, surprised that Morgan Riley is getting suspended. You know, it was a cross-check that rode up the shoulder into the head of Ridley Gregg. Can't do that. I mean, historical evidence tells us, no, can't do it. Um, where people are surprised is that, of course, it's an in-person hearing, which allows George Peros and the National Hockey League to suspend Morgan Riley six, seven, eight, whatever games he feels is worthy. So your reaction to the play and then subsequently to an in-person hearing being called. I think what I'll start with is it's amazing to me how we've tried to thread the needle here and people have tied themselves in knots trying to justify what Greg did, what Riley did. If it's part of the game, is it not part of the game? Should he have reacted? Should he not reacted? If you take all emotion out of the, out of the play and just watch it, Ridley Greg can shoot the puck in the net however he wants. The Leafs can be as pissed off or as not pissed off as they want. Like, that's just the way the game is. He could have slid it into the net. He mm-hmm. could have taken a slap shot because those are the two extremes of, of the thing. Right. And um, there's no – the response is they were sour. They were – it just looked outside of the norm. And so when things look outside of the norm, people's pulse races. And so Riley saw him slap the puck in the net, and he decides that he's going to go over. Quite frankly, I don't know what the hell he's thinking, mm-hmm. like to go over and to cross-check him. Like he could have – honestly, what is I'm playing this back, and you can say, oh, he should have done this or he could have done that, but there's an emotion involved in it, which means you're probably not really thinking – Super clearly, anyway. Yeah, but he could have skated over, slashed him across the shin pads, and shoved him over, hmm. and you know, like push, like made it clear, I don't like that, and run him into the boards. Right, and I still wouldn't have liked it, but I wouldn't have cared because, eh, whatever. But he cross-checked him in the head, and it. Morgan has zero history of being a cheap or dirty player, none, zero. Yet in that play, he made a suspendable play. Mm-hmm. I, I, I think the biggest issue is, so now we've got from Saturday, today's Tuesday, and everybody's had lots of time to look at it and review it and compare it to this cross-check and compare it to that slash and to this and that and the other. And the fact of the matter is, Department of Player Safety has put themselves in this position. Because nobody can figure out any linear path that this suspension might be. Mm. I, I didn't, when I saw the play, not for a second did I not think that Morgan Riley was going to get suspended. But also, 
I did not think that he was going to have an in-person hearing. Yeah. Given some of the other stick incidents that have happened throughout the season. Agreed. Including Jacob Truba getting a, a fine for hitting a two-run double to left center off that guy's head. Was it Trent yeah. Frederick's head? Frederick, yeah. 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 Like, like, so how do you square those two plays up? And so this is where I say Department of Player Safety's put themselves in their yeah. in their own leaky boat here. Yeah. Because well, you can't you can't make sense about what the suspension is is going to be. And mm-hmm. Drage, you know this better than me, but I, I think I do know it. That there's the the underlings of George Peros. They all get the videos sent to them. They all review the videos. Yeah. They send their um, their suggestions in yeah. to George. He collaborates the information and makes the decision. That's how most That's suspensions right. work. This yeah. is an in-person one. So Riley's flown down to New York and, um, I don't know, go for lunch and have the hearing and then like, like, I mean, like that's, that's really the way it goes. Is it not? Yes. So to your point here though, um, I'm not surprised that Sheldon Keefe played this card. I just don't buy it. And, and there's a belief by Sheldon and I would say by Leafs management to a degree that the market contributes and contributed to George Peros elevating this hearing to an in-person hearing which means the volume of media, the noise created right. around sure. this play swayed the Department of Player Safety. And I don't believe it entirely. I understand why they would play that card. But if that's even remotely true, that's an enormous problem. So that's why I struggle to make sense of it. I Look, I don't agree with every decision that the Department of Player Safety makes. I don't understand this one how it elevated to in-person. But to suggest that the league or decision-makers within the league are swayed by social media or the noise coming out of Toronto, I mean, that just feels like low-hanging fruit to me. It, it does, but I, 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 I got to say this. Like, I, I hadn't really looked at it that way about the, you know, the market contributing to the size. You know one of the Leafs' biggest problems is? They complain about the market size and yet reap the benefits of the market size. Yeah. Like, it's all of it. Man, that's what playing in Toronto is, and that's why it is yeah. for somebody, and it's not for somebody else. Like, yeah. that's, that's, just, that's just the way it is. But to s- sit there and complain about the market size, well, then go coach or go play in one of the smaller markets. Maybe you'll be happy there. Mm. Do, you not, do they not feel, like, clearly they don't, but that... Every Saturday night, they know that their game's on at seven o'clock. Every other team's flying all over the place because yeah. they got to, you know, tap dance around the Hockey Night in Canada schedule for the biggest market in the league to be on at the best time every Saturday night or as many mm-hmm. Saturday nights as possible. That's a benefit of being in Toronto. And so you can't, well, you can do whatever you want. You can complain about the market of being too big too much media, or you can complain yeah. about a market that doesn't have any, or you can just embrace it and say, you know what, we're in Toronto. It's the way it is. This, I, I don't see why this is five games or more. I really don't. Right. Yeah. But mainly because I cannot draw any 
research in my brain to say that because of this, this is probably where this range is going to be. Like to me, this could be anywhere. Yeah. Like, like right. it, it, it well, could be anywhere. And I just, yeah. I think that's something that the, that the league and the player safety should view and go, this is a way we can be better. Yeah. We can be more predictable so people understand, not just the fans and the media, but the players can understand what exactly yeah. the next steps are going to kind of look like. Because right now, it's wide open. Okay, let's, let's drill down on Morgan Riley and the loss here to the okay. Leafs for just a moment. Um, our good friend Nick Kiprios <clears throat> made a point yesterday in his radio program which I hadn't considered, but as soon as he said it, I'm like, you know what? I mean, we got we got to hear from Morgan Riley. He's the only person who can speak to this. But Kipper talked about how he thinks this was a culmination of frustration. Yes, of course, the incident, you know, just encouraged Riley to snap. But it wasn't the incident alone that that pushed Morgan Riley over the breaking point, right? It's it's the frustration of the game. Maybe it's a frustration of of the year. <laughs> I mean, you know, the Toronto Maple Leafs have had a lot of ups and downs. So I think that there's something to that. Again, only Morgan can confirm or deny that that's mm -hmm. the reality of, of the situation. So give that some thought. And then if you're Brad Trilliving, who's worked hard since the moment he was hired as GM to upgrade this defense, he just doesn't like the asking price of, of what's available on the market. You lose Morgan Riley for five games or more. Does this now put more pressure on the general manager to go out, just pay a price, throw a first round pick at Calgary, get Chris Danoff. Let's move on here because our defense is not good enough. And we lose five, six games without Morgan Riley in play. We're going to have a problem. Well, I, I don't think, the next five games should determine whether you blow out more of your future. That decision should probably already be made and be comfortable with, like come to terms with. How good do you think this team is? Does trading a first round pick, because you don't have any seconds, does uh, to get Chris Tanev, does that, for example, does that, does that put you into a position where you can win the first round, get into the second round? Because once you get into the second round, kind of what Florida did, that becomes yeah. possible. I mean, it's murder to sure. get out of the yeah. first round. It really is. And to pay another first round price to not get out of the first round again would be would be a really big mistake. I was in Boston on Saturday night. And this is to the point of, man, I just don't really know. So the Bruins are playing Washington. If they've played a worse game this year, I don't know when it was. Oof. They were terrible. Like, like very, I said it a couple times, this is very unbruin-like. Right, yeah. So if you're one of the other teams in the East looking around, like, are you starting to wonder, because that's two out of three games out of the break. They were terrible against Calgary. They were terrible. better against Vancouver. Yeah. Not great. Vancouver was bad. And then... Um, and then they had this stinker against Washington. They play Tampa tonight. Are you starting to think, geez, maybe we're not that far away from Boston. Like you maybe we're be. not. Yeah, yeah. You, you should be. Um, so to, to answer your question, that would make me wonder if, if, if I, 
really get an asset here. I can make our team better. I think we can get closer. But that means you also believe in Joel Wall to be your, you know, to be your number one goalie and to be able to elevate your goaltending position. That also means that you believe TJ Brody in a number, you know, in a, in a reduced role is a better player. That re- means you believe that somehow you're going to get some depth scoring mm-hmm. because for more than a quarter of the season, you haven't had any and like literally none. And so all, all of those questions go into for living's hands to try and decide what exactly do we have? I, I think the Leafs are a confounding team in that I can't quite make up my mind, you know, after near 60 games of what exactly they're all about. Yeah. All right. A couple more Canadian teams here, just because the storylines around them. Um, Let's go to Edmonton. We often talk about the, the Oilers here and Tim Horton's headlines. Uh, Corey Perry and Evander Kane join Leon Dreisaitl for a couple of games that go around there. What an interesting idea. And I understand it. I appreciate it. It kind of looks like there's something there. Is it sustainable? Do you like it? Um, I, I don't know that um, you could look at that line and say, this is going to be the line that goes over the boards every three shifts yeah. on a consistent game-to-game basis. When Corey Perry left the Blackhawks, he was 38. He didn't turn into a 32-year-old coming to Chicago, (laughs) right? He's still 38. So there's going to be some nights he's going to look like he's got a bowling ball in his skates. (laughs) And you're going to go, not tonight. Not tonight. So I I, I see what, what the intrigue is and the possibility is and why he would be super excited about it. If that was going to be the case uh, of the minutes he could handle, that would have happened in Tampa or that would have happened in Chicago. It, it just didn't. So I, I think it's a, a short-term shot in the arm and something you could use uh, here and there. Kane will be motivated to play with Dreisaitl big time because sure. – yeah. When I did those games through Christmas and just after Christmas, um, when he was on the third line with Derek Ryan, and I, that was not an enthusiastic. Didn't like it so much. Yeah, that was not an enthusiastic Kane uh, because he views himself as a as a top six forward and he wants mm-hmm. to play there. And then you go on the ice and you got Leon Dreisaitl as your center, you're motivated. Yeah. And so I, I think that's more of the longer term view that I have on the left side of Dreisaitl. Mm-hmm. Not on the right side. All right. Uh, what's your long-term view of the Winnipeg Jets? Because, you know, Oof. not that long ago, man, we were looking at Winnipeg in the standings, top of the league, and we're like, Oof, this team can play any way you want. They've got something going here. Well, they've fallen considerably in the standings. The offense has dried up during, it's fair to call it a skid. I mean, they haven't looked like the team that they were, you know, 10 games ago. What's what's yeah. happened here? I, I think the style that Rick Bonus demands and which is best for the Jets is virtually impossible to play for six months. And so, like I said, I was in Boston. I talked to a couple of Boston people that have been around that team for 20 years. Um, I see what, you know, the, the Canucks, the other, you know, the other team at the top of the other conference have played like in and out on this road trip. We've got the Jets. And the same thing was said about 
that I think applies to the Jets is like February sucks. It's the yeah. dog days of the season. If you can collect points in February, even if you're not playing well, just just collect a few points here and there, a win here, a loser point there, whatever it is, and get through the dog days. When the sun starts coming up and staying up longer, it is amazing the energy you feel. Because right now, it feels like the season will never end. Yeah. And so that style that the Jets play, I think right now is elusive to them. Mm. And so if I, I think if I'm looking at the Jets, I'm like, they, they just got to claw their way through February a little bit here. Just collect mm. enough points that you don't lose your game. You don't, all the offense goes so far away that everybody's lost every bit of confidence that they would have. And it takes them three weeks to get it back. Just kind of inch forward and keep yourself keep your head above water. That's that's what I look at the Jets like. All right, well, let's wrap up with a team that is collecting points in February, and that's the New York Rangers. And, you know, Jonathan Quick, we've talked a lot uh, just collectively in media about the surprise year that he's had. Um, some wondering about Igor Shesterkin. I'm not in that camp. But he looked real good Monday night as they win their fifth in mm. a row, the New York Rangers. They're a good team, right? We know that. I mean, we've felt that way basically from the onset of the season. But I still have a tough time reading the New York Rangers as a top contender. That might be unfair, but I just mm. and and look, Chris Jury will try and get some work done to bring in a forward and all of that. But what's your read? I mean, am I underselling them here a little bit? No, I'm I'm in the same boat. And sometimes I wonder, like, am I missing it with the Rangers? Yeah. Like, yeah. are they, you know, like, and and I think the reason is I look at their forward group, and I I think. Certainly, they need one, maybe two forwards there. Um, Kako had a, you know, had a real tough injury, and now he seems behind a little bit, and yeah. it's hard to catch up. So that takes a guy that they were kind of hoping in their top six, and that takes them out of the mix. Um, their power play, which was like, you know, when your power play is zipping along at thirty-two percent, it's yeah. probably due to you know to take a back step. And right now they're zero for their last seventeen. They had a power play in a one nothing game in Ca against Calgary last night, and by the time it was over, they were lucky they were still up one nothing. <laughs> like it, it was a train wreck, and Shosturkin made two unbelievable saves. Yeah, um, in it, and so it, it feels like they they're almost in the point dregs. I think the players are waiting for the addition to be made. Seems and that way. Yeah, it, like everybody kind of knows it's happening, yet it's not quite there yet and it seems like you know everybody's kind of waiting around a bit the best news for them was i thought shesterkin looked great mm -hmm. and he is he is a difference maker type of goalie for them who is when i look at those numbers next to his name drake i can't drags i can't believe it i'm like <laughs> i'm stunned his like his save percentage is 899 you're like yeah, i know i like i'm really surprised by it so i'm with you a little bit i but again, I'll go back to the Bruins. If the Bruins are the best team in the East and you're the Rangers, like, would you not think we're not that far from what they are? Right. M mainly because yeah. everything's in the soup together. Yeah. Everything's all jumbled up and mixed up. So it's going to be an interesting, um, interesting couple of weeks. Um, I, I, I want to say one thing about that game though. I was really impressed and happy to watch. Oliver Shillington play like he did. No, he's had yeah. he's had a really tough road, 
and he was flying last night. And I'm like, <laughs> good for him, man. Like he's he's had to work his way yeah. in his in his own life to get himself back to the point that he can play, and he looked terrific last night. And uh, yeah. good good for him. I mean, the Flames as a team have played well. I mean, Noah Hannafin is playing arguably his best hockey ever. Right. Not saying and, a lot, but and now what? Right. And now what you're like, really now what? Right. I mean, like the flames in general, like it was so obvious they were going to sell everything off. And then you're like, it kind of looks pretty good. I I don't know. I I still think they sell, but it's, uh, it's not getting any easier. That's for sure. All right. Those are your headlines. Thank you to Tim Hortons. Introducing Tim's new sweet chili chicken loaded wraps and bowls packed with delicious and hearty ingredients and topped with our new sweet chili sauce. Try Tim's Sweet Chili Chicken Loaded Wraps and Bowls today. Our interviews on Ray and Dregs brought to us by Canadian Club Whiskey, who have released the first run of the Canadian Club Invitation Series, CC 15-year-old Sherry Cask, signature CC Classic 12-year-old Whiskey, finished with a secondary aging in Oloroso Sherry Casks. All right, ask Ray and Dregs anything. You can send us your questions uh, on our socials at Ray and Dregs or on the website, rayandregs.com. Uh, let's start with a fun one. It's Will from Minnesota. Ray, when you played, what was your favorite goal horn and what one scared you the most or you just flat out didn't like? Back in the day, there was a lot of goal horns. Right. Okay. So it wasn't really a horn, but yeah, I liked, I loved Brass Bonanza. I knew Hartford. that was coming. Oh, I just <laughs> loved it. And one, one year they tried, this is how long ago I played, that they tried they're like, okay, we're going to try a different goal song. And so one night they played uh, Cool in the Gang Celebration when we scored. The fans hated it, hated it. It lasted <laughs> one game, and that was it. And it was right back to Brass Bonanza. The The one that scared the hell out of me was the horn in Chicago Stadium. Yeah. It sounded like a truck was coming through the end wall. And the first game I played there, I think we lost 9-2. By the end of it, it was like, you know, another – another puck goes in the net and you're like, oh, yeah, here comes the horn again. But to start, oh my God, that thing was brutal. It was so yeah. loud. And and look, it doesn't help now with what is it, the cannon in Columbus. Oh. Even um, though you know it's coming, you're sitting there You on know camera, it's coming. You're sitting, how many broadcasters you get? <gasps> yeah, because, oh, They know it's coming. They can see the guys are coming on the ice and boom, and you go, Bleh. Yeah, brutal. It, it, and and what's more annoying then is a series of tweets that follow from all the visiting broadcasters who forget that the cannon is there, and everybody tweets, "Oh, I hate the cannon." Well, you yeah. know it's there. <laughs> it's yeah, brutal. <laughs> all right, that's outstanding. Thanks, Will. Uh, Curtis says, "Love the pod. If a team buys out a player, can they re-sign him at a lower salary?" And he's using Toronto and John Tavares as his example. Well, the hard answer is no, not for one season anyway. But I mean, if a player gets bought out, I mean, that's free game for any team around the National Hockey League. But if he's so, talking about so, Tavares, yeah, he can't for yeah, one year. Yeah. So yeah, when you say for one year, there's a one year gap Correct. that has yeah. to happen. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. All right. We've got uh, ooh, Chris Pudsey. Is asking why is Gary Bettman hell bent to make hockey work in Arizona? Because the market is enormous, yeah. and if they could ever get a stability there, that the NHL views this as 
a market that needs to be there. If, if the Arizona Coyotes leave and go to Salt Lake or somewhere else, I'm guessing, Dregs, the number one market for expansion becomes Arizona. I mean, it's possible, right? You have all the Atlanta stuff percolating out there, Houston. I mean, good but but if they leave, yeah. Yeah. And, and it's an untapped market, hockey wise. Yes, no question. They've yeah. been they've been running uphill there since almost the day it started. Yeah. And, and and it's a and it's and it really yeah. comes down to the ownership of the team has to be is. able yeah. to work with the city councils to get a piece of land to build a rink in the spot it's supposed to be in. Yeah. Not you you can build a rink in Arizona on the moon. It's great, beautiful rink. It's in the wrong place. Nobody's going to go. And that's yeah. what they ran into in Glendale and all these years, 20 years have been lost um trying to, you know, trying to put a you know the 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 thread through the tiniest of holes there and it just does not has not worked. It's sad, really, it is, because of everything you've said. And the market, from a, a, a broadcast perspective, a hockey growth perspective, hockey-related revenue perspective, I mean, you can appreciate why oh. Gary Bettman has hung on for as long as he has, much to the chagrin of many of the owners right. who he works for, right? So I know we've said this many, many times before, but it does feel like there's some form of end in sight here. Either the Marula family is going to get it right, figure it out, build the building, or relocation finally has to to be embraced. I mean, that's the general sense. All right. Um, kind of a financial-ridden Ask Ray and Dregs Anything mm -hmm. segment. That's kind of weird. What do we uh, got? Sam S. is talking about – Sam S., sorry, ruling on LTIR. So Sam says, let's say the New Jersey, uh, New Jersey Devils put Dougie Hamilton on LTIR. They use his $9 million at the trade mm. deadline. He's healthy before the playoffs. Does the NHL monitor his health status so he can't sit until the start of the playoffs when, again, as Sam knows, most people know, but we'll remind, there's no salary cap in the playoffs. So doesn't matter. In this case, he's saying, would the NHL intervene? And if he's healthy, do something about it. Make a transactional move. Post-trade deadline, you're not moving players. Do you sit him out? you activate him? And then he's ineligible for the playoffs? Well, he would be eligible for the playoffs because I said there's no salary cap. But this is what people don't realize, I don't think, Ray, um, because we go back to Nikita Kucherov skating for mm -hmm. how many weeks with the Tampa Bay right. Lightning? Like three weeks before the playoffs started? The league actually does monitor, um, which is why I picked the question. The league does monitor. And the league's medical people would talk to the devil's medical people and they'd make sure that Dougie Hamilton is progressing and here's his timeline. And I mean, come on, if he's a week away from the start of the playoffs and the player says, nah, I don't feel quite there. Or the training staff says, no, he, he needs another four or five days. Do we honestly think that the league is going to step in and say, all right, LTIR has to be applied right now or his salary has to be reincorporated back into your salary cap for the next three days. But there is that conspiracy theory out there when any of this stuff surfaces. Well, right? there there always will be because there'll always be a gray area around a player's return. Yeah. So somebody breaks a bone, 
and they say the timeline to come back is four to six weeks. Yeah. There's a two week period there because everybody's <laughs> bones heal differently. Yeah. And could you stretch it to six and a half weeks? Probably like a broken bone is probably the easiest thing to, um, to monitor because the x-rays would show the bones healed or not. If it's like Dougie Hamilton's got a torn pec muscle, like that one would be tougher yeah. Yeah. to determine when the exact data return is. Um, and so there'll be some gray area to it, but you can't, can't stash a guy for three weeks and, and then say, oh yeah, here we go. I mean, <laughs> they'd probably notice by then. Yes, yes. So there you go. Excellent submissions to ask Rain Driggs anything. All right, you're at home, as I can see. Yep. Um, what's the week of travel look like for you? Where are you Thursday when we next meet? Uh, I'll be at home Friday. I'm flying to New Jersey for the stadium series. Yeah, we have yeah, yeah. Um, about 70,000, I guess, in there for um, uh, for the Saturday night game, which is the Flyers and the Devils, and yeah. then the Rangers and the Islanders Sunday afternoon. So that's that's my week. So a lot of driving, a lot of being at home and trying to catch up with everything going on at home. So How many good outdoor week. games have you done now? Broadcast. I don't know. Quite don't a few, know. though, right? Yeah, few, yeah. You, you know what, Drake? There are some guys that can tell you. Oh, I broadcast one thousand two hundred and eleven <laughs> games. I have no idea. Like, yeah. If I sat down, I guess I could probably get within a couple of hundred or a hundred. Sure. I'm not yeah. even You'd close, but I, yeah. I'm, I'm thinking I've probably done four or five outdoor games. Yeah. So, uh, and I. Well, you're going to say what you want to say. It doesn't matter to me. I've, it's not about me. I feel like they've refined these games to a point now where, aside from the 70,000 people, but mm -hmm. if I'm at home, I don't get any of that. I, the camera right. angles are so good. The lighting is so good. Yeah, on occasion, you run into some sketchy ice here or there, but you, you get that in some buildings around the mm -hmm. NHL. So I... The spectacle is still strong for you, right? Because you're there and you're right side. Yeah. The, the outdoor games are not for a TV spectacle. The outdoor games yeah. are for the fun and the, um, the enjoyment of the local market, the, yeah. the rarity of it, the, it, and quite frankly, the revenue of it. Oh, yeah. yeah. Like that, that, is, that is why the outdoor games endure, because it's a hell of a lot of work for the league to run those trucks around and build a rink in a football stadium. Like that just doesn't happen. Like, you know, Oh, Hey, let's start Tuesday and finish, you know, and it's a pain in the ass television wise to yeah. like to get all the truck, like the TV trucks there and all the logistical, where do the cameras go and all that stuff? It's a pain in the ass, it but is. there's a clear reason why they do it. And that's because the local markets respond. They love it. It's a fun day and weekend and they'll continue on. See, you sold me on it. Now I'm going to watch. For there sure. you go. Thanks, Drake. Make, make sure you watch because, uh, yeah, you know, I'll be down there freezing my feet off and, like, and nobody cares. I'll have those little hot pockets in my shoes oh, yeah, and yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. Try and stay warm. All right, buddy. Well, safe travels. And, uh, again, we'll, uh, oh, no, we'll, talk we'll visit again on Thursday. Thursday will be right here. Right here. Thanks All for right. listening, everybody. Yes, thank you to our sponsors as well. Our title sponsor, Canadian Club Whiskey and Tim Hortons. Until next time. Stay safe, everybody.